the Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans. A shining download online. All alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting. The year the Introcast War came upon us all. This is the story of the Babylon 5 Introcast. The year was 2014. The show down below. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Elizabeth. Well, unfortunately, Heidi couldn't be with us today, but we are pleased to be joined by a first-time visitor to Down Below. It's Michael from the UK. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey, Mike. Yeah, welcome along. Uh, you're probably still hearing our new intro, unless it's stopped by now. But, hey, Michael, tell us how you came to know Babylon 5. Uh, being based in England, it, uh, I think it was around the mid-90s it came on over here and it was on Channel 4 and it was a little sporadic hours on, but myself and all of my group of friends ended up watching it and we watched all the way to the end and thoroughly enjoyed it. It's on certainly up there in my rankings of favourite ever TV shows. Oh, I think I've watched it once since then, but when I heard about the podcast um, starting up, I thought it was an excellent excuse to watch it again. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's good to hear. So, did you have to uh, buy the DVDs, or are you watching it some other way? I bought them years ago, but I don't think I've ever watched them before. I kind of like bought them. I was like, well, I want to own those, but I don't think I've ever actually seen them. I think the last time I watched it was crappy recordings that I'd made on VHSs years ago. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> nice. At what point did you originally start watching it? Because it was really sporadic. So, did you catch it from the pilot, or I some think point? I watched various episodes from season one but obviously a season one's far more episodic that it's they're all kind of like built into one i don't really remember which of them i saw but definitely from season two onwards i remember kind of like the the arcs happening okay cool uh before we get into the episode how about some babylon 5 news i'm sure a lot of you have heard about jms's panel at comic-con it turns out he's going to write a big budget Babylon 5 movie to be released, I think, in a couple of years. Uh, he's going to give Warner Brothers the first shot at it, but if they don't buy it, he's going to have his own studio produce it. I really hope that he gets this up and running because, yeah. you know, I, I'd love some new Babylon 5 content. Even if he's going to reboot the whole franchise, I'm going to look forward to it. Right, he said it's going to be a reboot, but he may want to use some of the current actors in different roles, correctly. So he said the movie would be a reboot? Right. Oh, okay. Exciting news, I hadn't heard anything about that, and I watched Comic-Con reasonably uh, quite a lot, and I didn't hear that, so I'm going to have to go and watch that video later. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a video out there, but I did read descriptions from people that were there, and... You know, this is a long way from actually getting anything made, but I'm really optimistic about this. Because I remember last time there was a B5, we got more B5. He said he wasn't going to do any more unless Warner Brothers were willing to pony up a big budget for it. And last I had heard, they had contacted him and they seemed interested, but I guess that never went anywhere. But Yeah, that was a shame. 
I guess with the success of his own studio, he could, he's more able to get something going. Even if I mean, nowadays, yeah. crowdfunding, he might be able to get a fair bit of funding for it. There's a lot of fans out there. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if it's successful, it might um, push Warners to actually release a Blu-ray yeah. of the original series. We can but hope. There'll probably be more spoilers out there, though, if this does happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be... I think they're shooting for 2016. Yeah, so we'll probably be done by yeah. by that time. <laughs> yeah. So have to keep away from any you know stories about the ongoing process. Yeah. Definitely. So speaking of background information... <laughs> Is there some kind of story involved with the start of the season? Yes, or? we're getting to that. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. we're not going to leave you in the dark. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> okay. So we are here today to discuss episode one of season two. Yay. <laughs> Points <laughs> of departure. But first, here's an ISN special report. ISN News. Command Shakeup aboard Babylon 5. Hero of the Line, Commander Jeffrey Sinclair, and acting officer in charge of Babylon 5 for the past two years, has recently been promoted to the honourable position of First Earth Ambassador to Membar. Replacing him on Babylon 5 is Captain John Sheridan. An infamous figure amongst Membari, known as Starkiller, a controversial choice for destroying the Black Star during the Earth Membari War. It is expected that Captain Sheridan will make the role his own, and quickly found that Babylon 5 is anything but a quiet position, as he was confronted with a rogue Membari warship mere hours after taking command. It is not known yet how well he will fare in this new role, and whether this signals a new era aboard the station. Only time will tell. This has been your ISN News Update. Points of departure, the original air date was November 2nd, 1994. It was originally titled Chrysalis Part 2, but I guess JMS realized he had introduced too much in Part 1 that there was no way he could resolve it all in one episode, spread it out. Yeah, and some of what we're about to discuss, I think, would influence the choice of episode title as well. Right. The episode was written by Janet Greek, and I mean, directed by Janet Greek and written by JMS. So let's talk about the elephant in the room a minute here. <laughs> yes, uh, Michael O'Hare is gone. This isn't some plot device where Sinclair will come back in a few episodes and take back over station. Uh, the reason I always heard that I always read online was that the network wanted someone more famous and charismatic to be the lead on the show. So they got Bruce Boxleitner, who Scarecrow from Scarecrow is King and he's Tron. Um, but I was kind of surprised a few weeks ago when I was listening to the commentary for Chrysalis and JMS was saying that, you know, Michael O'Hara wanted to take a break, wanted to do theater, that kind of thing. And then I saw a few weeks ago where I saw JMS's statement that he released at the time that Michael O'Hara left, and he was talking about how he wrote an out for everybody in case they wanted to leave, and they had always 
wanted to expand the show after season one and bring in more characters. And this would be a good time for actors to reassess their career and think about typecasting and decide if they want to be in a long-term continuing role. So said that he and Michael O'Hara decided it was time to part ways. So that was the official explanation given at the time. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that wasn't the true reason that he left. Yeah, this yeah. hasn't uh, been widely available until recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I only found out earlier this year. I, I saw the video that was released. Yeah, uh, last year, 2013, at Phoenix Comic Con, JMS had a panel. And he revealed that during the last part of season one, Michael O'Hare and himself realized that Michael O'Hare was having mental health issues. He described it as a physical issue that led to a mental issue. They never didn't go into too much detail. But Michael O'Hare was having paranoid illusions. And it's the kind of thing that could be corrected. So JMS wanted to stop the show so Michael O'Hare could get treatment, but... O'Hare didn't want to be the one to cause everybody to lose their jobs, you know, just when the show was starting to find its footing. So he just wanted to try to get to the end of the season. He said, let me try, let's try to do this. So they did, and he was able to get to the end of the season. But JMS said that he could see that O'Hare was suffering to keep it together and stay focused. So after the season, he has to be written out of the show. And later, That's so sad. Yeah. It really is. It's a very personal story as well. Um and uh, it's it's very moving when you actually see the um, video. Yeah, I had a tear in my eye watching it. It was yeah. it was very hard because he was also talking about the other actors that had died in the show, and it was really really interesting video to see. But it was very emotional. Yeah, I had heard about what he said, but I hadn't seen the video until last night for the first time. And yeah, it was really. I know our listener Yan was there in person when this happened. Sure, he'll talk about it next time. Yeah, it's it's such a shame in some ways that the video contains several spoilers because this would be perfect for um, people who haven't seen anything else to see because they get an insight. At, you know, at point um, most of the rest of us were never at where you're at the beginning of season two and you're getting an insight into why Michael O'Hare really left the show. You can. You, you can get that different perspective of what really was going on. And seeing this video just gives a whole other perspective on everything. Yeah. Michael O'Hare did... Well, JMS has said he was going to keep the secret to his grave, but Michael O'Hare said, tell everybody after I die. Because he wanted people to know that this kind of thing could happen and there's no shame in it. And I don't know, unfortunately, his career never really got back on track. You know, his medication did seem to help some, but it did take a toll on him. Yeah, but there is a nice bit in the video where JMS describes how um, Michael O'Hare would go to conventions and get lifted up by the fans and momentarily um, get better and um, is on a rise from, you know, the support from fans and the love from fans of the show, and just being on stage as well, I think, um, yeah. from the sounds of it. So, you know, that I found that quite moving as well. Mm. But he, um, he passed away from something else, right? Was it a heart? heart something? Um, I'm not sure. It was... Or was that Franklin? 
Yeah, Franklin had a heart. And oh, okay. Yeah, so he passed away in 2012, and this news became public in 13. Hmm. Well, that is a shame. Yeah. Well, let's start with the recap. If you're ready, Elizabeth, after that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, I mean, obviously, there had to have been a a reason, right? You know, but it would have been a a crazy reason just because they wanted somebody more famous uh, to be the lead in the show. Uh, Because, I mean, didn't he, he had sort of a plan going on and a plot line and everything. But at the same time, part way through the series, uh, JMS was already planning for this eventuality, I think, just in case he was creating that back door he was talking about. So you can tell in the second half of season one that Sinclair is becoming far more ambassadorial, far more of a diplomat rather than a soldier. And his story arc seems to be going somewhere um, fairly soon for season one, whereas maybe if he had been able to stay on, that would have been stretched out a bit more. <laughs> stretched out more? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just speculating they here. They stretch out things a lot, though. The episode begins. It's January 8th, 2259. We're on board the EAS Agamemnon. The captain's on the phone with somebody talking about hijackers when they get a coded signal from Earth Dome on Gold Channel 1, and it's General Haig. The captain, we find out, is John Sheridan, and it feels so good to finally be able to say that name. (laughs) I know, I know. I think I may have noticed the pair accidentally say his name instead of Sinclair's a couple of times. it slipped in a few times. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think you had picked up on it as you were going through. I think, oh, have they said it? I think they did. It, I noticed when we rec- did the gathering when I was editing, I noticed it a few, t- a couple times, and I recorded over it. But then after that, it kept slipping in accidentally, and people would message yeah, us. Yeah, it's quite hard when you're talking about it. Yeah, it's like, we heard you say Sheridan. Uh-huh. Like, where? When do we say it? <laughs> That's weird. I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes I would pause a little bit before I said Sinclair just to make sure I was saying the right name. Yeah, half the problem is the names are so similar. You've got yeah. Jeff Sinclair and John Sheridan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I didn't JMS knew he was going to trick us up when we do intro cast about the show. <laughs> well, it's we his initials too. Yeah. So funny, JS. Everybody's JS. I just the way that we were introduced to him too was a very like you're supposed to know this guy intro. Because the music's swirling, he kind of turns around in his chair and he smiles, you know. He kind of <laughs> knew charming. that this guy was supposed to be important. Of course, we were yeah, like, what the me. hell is happening? <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah, yeah, who's this guy? The commentary and your reactions to, who's this guy? We don't want him on our screen. <laughs> yeah. John Sheridan is played by Bruce Boxleitner. Like I said, he was on Tron and Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Also, How the West Was Won and Heroes. And he was Captain Awesome's father on Chuck. Ah, okay. Yeah. And part of me think part of me thinks he was his father because of Babylon Five, because the writers all had Babylon Five. Really? I, I've, I've got a feeling it, because of all the other in, in jokes and references on Chuck, it kind of had to be because he was on Babylon Five and was in Tron. Yeah, a lot of their guest stars were major sci-fi actors, like Scott Bakula was Chuck's dad, and Linda Hamilton was his mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So General Haig is played by Robert Foxworth. He was the original guy cast as J.R. Ewing on Dallas. Well, but he kind of looks like Sean Bean. He was in Is that the, how you pronounce that name? Sean, Sean Bean, right? You know? The guy yeah. that was in Lord of the Rings and stuff? Oh, yeah. He, that's yeah. Right. yeah. For some reason, I was thinking about Mr. Bean. <laughs> like, okay. Yes, he kind of looks like Mr. Bean. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean Bean. But he also played Brenda and Billy Chenoweth's father on Six Feet Under, and he was in the seventh season of The West Wing. But he, General Haig says that a Minbari warship has been spotted about two jumps from B-5. He thinks they might have hostile intent because they're a renegade warship. Sheridan. <laughs> How many times am I going to stumble over his name and call him Sinclair? Uh, Sheridan. Sheridan notes it's the Trigati. The ship is the Trigati. And Haig wants Sheridan to make personal contact. And he says, you know, last time I made personal contact with a Minbari warship, he sent it straight to hell. <laughs> yeah, so Just the way he said that. <laughs> I know. They, I just, I, oh, I mean, this is kind of the start of, like, sort of his, how they're trying to bring his sort of notoriety uh, with the Minbari into it. And yeah. I was just like, I don't get it. I don't get why. I mean, it's war, right? Right. Why would they hate somebody that was on the other side? I mean, did he do underhanded things? <laughs> um, well, you, part of it, I think, is you hear later that he was—he managed to construct, I suppose is the right way, the only victory for Earth in the entire war. And he did that by destroying the flagship of the Membali fleet. Right, but I don't understand why that would create an animosity after the war. It's just, it's a war thing that happens. It's not like he raped women and killed children. I mean, you know what I mean? It was just a war action. And yeah, they, I mean, they were being attacked and they were attacking mm -hmm. back. I don't understand why that would create such hatred in the Membari for this one person. They, they nearly wiped us out, didn't they? Or wiped out the humans and... Yeah. Don't see all the humans in the show hating the Mimbari in such a passion, and they must have killed far more of us than we killed of them. It does seem disproportionate. <laughs> I can't find my note, but JMS did address that and can't find it right now. But it had to do with the sneaky way he did it, with using huh. mines and just the fact that they're a prideful people. And he was the only one to beat them. Sneakier than taking people aboard, torturing them for information? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he's the only one to have beaten a Minbari warship, and Haig has one other job for Sheridan. It comes directly from the president. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> and then after this, we cut to B5. We have Ivanova giving a status report. It's been eight days since the president's death and five days since Sinclair was called to Earth without explanation. The... <laughs> <laughs> or just thrown on an airlock. You might as well. <laughs> a place is going to hell, and we find out so basically, she's giving us an update on everybody. <laughs> Garibaldi's unchanged. Something's going on with Lynn. Yeah, this was interesting. I, I yeah. kind of liked this, um, oh, you know, voiceover. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, status report. It was, uh, was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. And she definitely doesn't like being in charge and having to deal with all the bureaucracy that is involved. But it was a very casual way of, of, of dismissing Sinclair. <laughs> Five days ago, no explanation. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, it's a complete mystery. 
So Ivanova gets her own gold channel call from General Haig, and he tells her that Sinclair has been reassigned permanently and get the opening credits. Hmm. And a new set of opening credits with not just a new voiceover, a whole new theme as well. Yeah, different word. Yes. Did you pay attention to what they were saying? And some of the stuff you saw as well, perhaps? Uh, well, I was trying not to look too much at the images, just because okay. I didn't want to spoil myself too much. I did see Sheridan in a couple of them, and he was doing the voiceover, so at this point we were kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something's, something's changed. Um, yeah, we couldn't but, exactly ask you to block your ears for the opening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could have, but... Uh, yes. Well, I, I liked the original first season theme music better, I have to admit. Um, this was a little too, like, fast and jarring. But I think he did say the year the Great War came upon us all. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. about to say, that seemed the most interesting thing in the in the new credits, is he mentions that. Who do you think the war is going to be between? Um, after watching the episode, whatever Lanier was talking about, um... Which I guess we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I think this is the first time you hear the length of the station five miles long. No, it is not. Oh. It's not, no. Okay. I think, nice. was it when the ISN reporter was oh, okay. talking to them that they found that out? Or when did we discuss that? Because I know we have. Okay, I know we discussed how many people were... Yeah, I think it was either then or it's actually mentioned in um, The Gathering. Okay. Yeah, I think it might be mentioned all the way back in The Gathering. Yeah, I think Lieutenant or Commander Takashima lists a whole lot of stats about it very early on in the pilot. Okay, okay yes, because I know we had heard it, heard it. So after the credits, uh, we find out that Sinclair is being assigned to the Minbari homeworld, the first human to have permanent residence there. And they talk, they mention Sheridan and Ivanova already knows him because she served under him at the transfer point off IO. She thinks he's a good man. Yeah, um, I'm not the first person to raise this, but everyone seems to serve at the transfer point off IO. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big Comes transfer point, apparently. Yeah. So where was Sheridan supposed to be at the beginning? Was that, I mean, it was like a planet with rings, right? I don't know. They did, say. did they say? Oh, okay. I think his previous duties, he was just kind of like out on the the rim with all the non-aligned worlds. I think he mentions at some point that that's like his his patrol ground, maybe. I'm not sure if that's what he's supposed to be doing out there, but I think that's the impression I got. Okay. Yeah, the frontiers of human territory or something like that. I think it was interesting you saw, you saw that his ship, the Agamemnon, could open its own jump point, so it could be out where there aren't any jump gates constructed. Uh, oh, okay. I wasn't sure yeah. about that. If he was op- if they were opening their own jump gate or if there was one there, got it. Okay. Yeah. Is this um, the first time they've talked about hyperspace? No, I know there was mentioned like Takashima was talking. Okay. Yeah, but it's the first time in a long while. Yeah, because they mentioned it a few times in yeah. this episode, and yeah, I think they hyperspace. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think they mentioned that the Mimbari were holding in hyperspace, so that might be the first kind of like mention you've heard that people can kind of like stay in hyperspace, as it were, instead of just transferring very quickly through it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think maybe in the pilot, maybe they said like the Borlons were waiting and something. I don't remember. Something like that. Yeah. Well, next we see some dude arrive in Delin's quarters. I don't remember ever hearing his name, but I know his name. I don't remember hearing his name either. Was him? I think I said, well, maybe it was 
His name is Hedron, I believe. And he's played by Robin Sachs. Is that how yes. you pronounce his name? Who we know from Buffy. And he was yeah, in I called him Ethan on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Heidi called him Ethan and Barry Rain. <laughs> so this guy is on the Grey Council, apparently. He's upset about what Delenn did and says, Now they're committed to the path. Tells Lanier that if the Trigadi appears, he needs to go to the humans and tell them that they've been t- what he's been told. It's time that the humans know the truth. Yeah, that was surprising because yeah. we don't get a lot of information <laughs> in this show. So mm. I was like, oh, like, especially not happy? from the Minbari. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it seems like, you know, from everything they've said, this is something. I don't know if this is something that they plan, like JMS planned or, you know, with the change she had to do, but it seems like this was some kind of prophecy from and the Mabari people that they would have to join up with Earth or whatever she's doing would eventually happen. Just that they were kind of concerned that she instigated this. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm getting that mm, right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, a lot like... of uh, what uh, went on in the Grey Council last year, you got that impression as well that the others were waiting for things to happen whereas Delenn was more proactive and she thought if you get what I mean, mm-hmm. she's a go-getter. Mm. She wants it. To, yeah. She wants it to happen. Speed prophecy up. <laughs> I'd say the religious cast are far more likely to believe in the prophecy, whereas I imagine the warrior cast are far less likely. They don't really care what was prophesied. They're probably more in touch of what's happening now. Right, but then at the same time, they deferred to the religious cast, the Great Council, when the Great Council told them to stop the war, and they didn't even tell them why. They just did it. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, so there's obviously, you know, a clear chain of command, a clear sign of respect and leadership from the Grey Council that, yeah, the you know, all the warriors will just, you know, do whatever they are told. Apart from a couple of exceptions. <laughs> right. That we've met so far, yeah. Who always seem to turn up on Babylon 5. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In the CNC, we see Clarence <laughs> and his new hey, haircut. Hey, Clarence, and it, yeah, exactly. Much better hair. Yeah, yeah you think so? <laughs> I think it makes his face look skinnier. <laughs> I don't know. When I saw him in the first series, I, I just felt he looked silly. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a big fun in that first series. <laughs> Ivanova wants an honor guard president when Sheridan arrives, but he's already there. So she goes to meet him and surrenders command to Sheridan. I like how she just grabbed that random lady. Like, you're, you're the honor guard. <laughs> um, um, I, I like this bit, yeah. It's just, no, no, no pomp and circumstance here. This is real life. Things like this happen. Yeah. Well, the other lady didn't even salute. So I guess she wasn't military. But then he's like, uh, my bags? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, didn't know who it was, I think. Ivanova takes him around and they discuss the situation on the station. Uh, Were they expecting to get a lot of new viewers starting in the second season? Or, because didn't this air quite soon after the end of the first season? Yeah, in America it did, and I guess the original UK airing. It's just funny how they recapped. Yeah, yeah, I think at this point there were a fair few notes from the network, so I think this kind of recap is trying to incorporate those notes. Uh, yeah, so exposition in this episode and a lot of people talking for the benefit of the viewer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you've got a new commander, so you've kind of got an excuse for it. Yeah, lots of info that needs to be gotten across and cleared up. 
I guess it would be more confusing to do a previously on segment with a bunch of Jeffrey Sinclair. <laughs> I always go back to that line in the pilot when Lita said, what is it called? Babylon 5. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like Sheridan said that it was an interesting place they have. And it seems like somebody else said that in another episode when they arrived. I think that was um, in the pilots as well. I think that it was another later line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, back in the pilots, she said something like that to um, Sinclair. Uh, next, we see some big Minbari dude reading up on Babylon 5, and then he heads off. Yeah, this was an interesting bit, because he asked to see the stage, and the first bit the computer shows him is the bit that's prohibited. He's <laughs> the station. You can't go here. Don't go here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were running out of time. I was too busy raging in this scene about another Minbari with a damn beard. Yes. Yeah. Yes, annoys exactly. me every time I see one. <laughs> hey, at too. least there's more than one, so it's not just Droll. Yeah, he's not a weird freak of nature now. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy is Kalane, who is played by Richard Grove. He was in two of Lois Clark. Do I need to watch the show? Maybe that's where Heidi knew him from. So Ivanova takes... <laughs> I wrote down Sherry Claire, but I wrote it as a joke. <laughs> Trying to shift him <laughs> to his quarters. Um, it's a lot bigger than what he's used to. He's really impressed by running water, apparently. Ivanova wonders why he was chosen. Apparently he was President Santiago's first choice to replace Sinclair if anything happened. And they know the Minbar probably won't be happy. Still called Star Killer. Susan doesn't think the reality of the president's death has set in yet, and she's glad that Sheridan's there to take over. Yeah, it's nice that it's still dealing with that, and it, yeah. it's not just something that's been recapped, but it's still affecting her. Eight days, days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's- Garibaldi, you know, is in a kind of a coma, and Sinclair left. A lot of stuff has happened. Claire is gone. So <laughs> That's much the change. worst part. I know. Well, considering her replacement, yes, it is. <laughs> Do you think uh, Clara went to remember with uh, Sinclair? <laughs> mm-hmm, as his attaché? Yes. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, but I'm taking Clara with me. <laughs> I quite liked um, this scene between Ivanova and Sheridan because it, it really showed that it appears they were quite good friends when they served together previously, and that I think that helped bring him into the show that they could already be set up and have quite a close relationship because she doesn't open up to many people and she seemed quite happy talking about her feelings to him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get, you're able to get more insight into her um, thoughts and her personality, but it's also nice because Garibaldi had a pre-existing relationship with Sinclair and you've got Ivanova with a pre-existing relationship with Sheridan. Mm. And in the pilot, Takashima had had a previous relationship with Sinclair. Mm. Obviously a very small military. Yes. No, I, I agree. I liked this part, too. I liked how she was vulnerable there. She didn't mention that she was Russian, which was a plus. <laughs> but she did say she got it from her father. <laughs> uh, I did. I liked that. I, I think when I watched, the, um, you know, when they did the commentary, I got like almost like a impending romance vibe, which I didn't get as much when I watched it again. But... I think there's a possibility there. I don't know. Sheridan wants to take a shower and then go give his good luck speech, which he always gives within 24 hours of taking a new assignment. Um, Yep. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we're giving you credit for this prediction, Elizabeth, that Sinclair would lose his job and be replaced by someone Earth government likes. Uh, All right. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Hedron or Ethan sees Kalane <laughs> go, he goes off and runs after him and gets captured by Kalane. Um, Hedron reminds him that they don't hurt their own kind and needs to stop, but Kalane says, maybe it's time to start. And he says that the great council has betrayed them and he knows about all the happenings with Sheridan, Delin, and Claire until. Okay, sorry, could I could I interject really quickly? Yeah. <clears throat> if they don't hurt their own kind, but yet half the population is like in a warrior cast, does that mean that they're only warring against other planets? I guess so. That seems odd to me. They're supposed to be so honorable. I don't know. Is that a weird? I mean, does that? I, Unless, That's very confusing to me. Unless the military have a whole load of other jobs that come under military, but do, they don't have to actually go and fight. Wars. Well, they call it warrior. A warrior yeah. to me means a fighter. But That's you've also a, got... Yes. Yeah, but you've also got um, samurais who are kind of... Also, samurai, from what I know of it, which is very, very little, were also kind of almost peacekeepers and a police force in a way, so, you know, perhaps there is some way of keeping peace amongst the Membara without actually hurting them or killing them. I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> I always imagined that at some point in their history, they like they go out into the stars, and at that point, perhaps they made a, a cultural decision that they kind of like all came together because they realised they're not alone in the universe, and maybe from that point on they don't hurt other Membari. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm, hmm. Definitely. So Kalane tells Hedron to leave while he still can. Some weird Wolverine <laughs> things claws, going on. Yeah. <laughs> I like those. Weird triangular knuckle dusters. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want those near me. Triangles again. <laughs> I love the triangles. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. In Medbay, Dr. Franklin is visited by Ivanova. She's checking up on Garibaldi. Condition stable, and he's had as many regen packs as his body can handle. They don't know when or if he'll wake up and gonna say a prayer for him. Yeah, I it's weird because I was so sure that girl, and I still think he's gonna make it, you know, he's gonna become functional again. But I was convinced that because of the prophecy, uh, the future, and not the prophecy, but the time jump that they did where Garibaldi was fighting off whoever's invading Babylon 4, or was it 5? I can't remember. That he was going to survive. But now I'm like, well, prophecy is never going to happen. Flair's gone. So, I don't know. Next we see Sheridan practicing his speech when Ivanova tells him that everyone's ready. So he arrives on deck and there's no Clara. Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) There's that very shouty communication officer, though. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. What was in her other ear that was so loud that she had to shout? Maybe it's the first day on her job and she, she's just too over-eager. My God, be quiet. bracing. <laughs> work experience actor. <laughs> oh. She's no Clara. Come back, Clara. So uh, Sheridan starts his speech, but it gets interrupted. There's a Minbari demanding to speak to Sheridan. So Sheridan leaves Ivanova. Next, we see Kalane get stopped by some security guy, but he attacks the security guy. He needed some psychic paper. <laughs> yeah. That's another Doctor Who reference, it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> Wait, this is the security guy with the hair, with the hair that he was sort of looking up from? The smoldering look? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We enjoyed that guy. 
Hedron is talking to Sheridan and Ivanova about Kalein, who Kalein hasn't been seen since the end of the war. Sheridan realizes that uh, they're talking about the Trigadi that disappeared. Um, the Membari don't like to talk about it. And he goes into the story about how at the end of the war, one of the leaders took his own life rather than obeyed the order to surrender, which I think we heard about last season. I don't understand how they know this stuff. How do they know the names of the commanders of the other ships? Who, you mean the humans? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he... uh, In theory, the Membari weren't speaking English in their communications with each other, right? Mm. (laughs) Um... I'm confused. I, I mean, assume I, that, yeah, I would assume there must be trading going on between the races and possibly kind of like stories like this get told between the people who are trading because obviously there must be some trade going on between all the different galactic civilizations. Yeah, I you think during the war? That. Because it seemed like... No, it's been what? 10 years after the war. I think it's war stories that get passed down and some may, may be a bit of a espionage after the fact to find out what went wrong. You know, bit bit of both of those, and so they were able to piece together a couple of the facts. Yeah, I can see that, except for the way he was talking about him just made it seem mm-hmm. like he knew who he was during... Sheridan seemed very, very well informed about lots of Mimbari stuff. I don't know Oh, how. definitely. Yeah. I mean, for one thing, straight off he knew that about the Grey Council. And how long did it take um, Sinclair to find out about them? <laughs> Well, he he Googled it right away. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and also in this scene, I mean, I, I think it's slightly exaggerated for this scene, but you're clearly seeing the differences in diplomatic style between your two commanders, Sinclair and Sheridan. They, they seem to have very different diplomatic styles already. Well... It- I guess so, except for it's hard to tell because Sheridan has still a lot of anger to, towards the Membari, it seems. It'll be interesting to see when he starts interacting with the other races. Right, exactly. Because yeah, it seems like he has had plenty of experience. So Kalenya took charge of the ship when the captain committed suicide. It's interesting, not not Kalenya, Hedron is, appear, is claiming to be from the Ministry of Culture, which Sheridan doesn't buy, and things start getting heated between them, and Hedron leaves. Sheridan believes Hedron is from the Grey Council. Let's talk about how he destroyed the Black Star, their flagship, by mining the asteroid field between Jupiter and Mars. And it was the only real victory that humans had in the war. And he and Ivanova figure out that Kalein is going to go after the Lynn they want to attack the Minbar representative on the station. So we cut to Delin's quarters and we see Kalein pull a gun on Lanier and Lanier goes into his Sailor Moon stance. When <laughs> Lanier's <laughs> reaction though was hilarious. The way he turned his head. I was trying to, there, there is a meme out there of like it's a chipmunk or something turning its head really fast and staring at the camera. <laughs> That's exactly what it reminded me of. Okay, well, maybe we'll be able to do something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I just think the mirror in the scene is pretty awesome. He was awesome. He's so protective. Couple yeah. of good quotes from this one. He was I mean, it's, it's been less than a season since he came to the station. And if you remember what he was like when he first came aboard, how meek he was, and he wouldn't look up into Delaine's face, and now how fiercely protective he is of her. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy. 
Uh, so Sinclair and the others arrive, and Lanier's ready to get back to his business. So security. What? Did you just say Sinclair? What did you say? Did I say that? You said Sinclair. <laughs> okay. Now I'm gonna notice. Sheridan, 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 Sheridan. <laughs> Don't tease us like that. Sinclair's not back. He's never gonna be back. Lanier's ready to get back to his business. Security takes Colleen away, and. Lanier introduces himself to Sheridan and basically tells him to get out. <laughs> so next we see Sheridan questioning Colleen. He believes that Colleen didn't mean to kill Delenn at all, and he asks Colleen about the ship, his ship, uh, before he leaves. After um, Sheridan, <laughs> after <laughs> Sheridan leaves, Lanier shows up and apologizes for being rude and says there's something we need to discuss. Yep. So in the next scene, oh, we yeah. get some answers. Yeah, this was a really, really awesome scene. I love the way they did this. Yeah, yeah. I I really think that um, this would have been revealed if not so early on in season two, fairly early on in season two. Even if um, Sinclair had still been been on board, it feels about the right time to get these answers. I think this was the conversation that Sinclair missed at the end of last series when he didn't <laughs> yeah, get to her quarters so. in time. Yeah. Ah, okay, yes, that makes sense. So, three years into the war, it was almost over, and they had pursued Earth's forces back to Earth. The oh, great- I just thought the shot of their ships looked so cool. Uh, their yeah. shot, their ships look like humanoid soldiers, like just the, the shape of the ship, and it's just really cool. They also look a bit like fish as well, or sharks, as sharks, even actually. Yeah. yeah, and just the effect, the design of the council chambers viewing mechanism. It's the only way to describe it. Yeah, that's just cool as well. You're not looking at the screen. The whole battlefield's projected all around you, three hundred and sixty degrees. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I wasn't sure if that's what they were seen or if that's just what they had composited for just for the show for the view like if they were telling us that that's what the gray council was seeing or if that was just you know a special effect done for us watching it but mm-hmm. it seemed like yeah the second time it seemed like that's what because she said that one yeah she kind of like points him out doesn't she right yes it does i mean there must be some sort of pilots or um, some other roles on the ship who are monitoring what the Grey Council are saying and what they're doing because that or, you know, their ship runs on voice command. Mm-hmm. Or there was a time jump that we just didn't see, you know, in terms mm. of the recap. Mm. Oh, definitely. But it's, it's, it's cool nonetheless. Yeah, very cool. It was not cool to hear that they tortured him, though. Yeah. Like, to get confirmation. Uh, so the Grey Council went for the final victory, and it was the first time they had had contact with a human. I think the key so word the there world... is direct contact. Direct, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just put, I just wrote first contact with humans, but how did their leader get killed? That's what I want to know. Yeah, it was the first time they had direct. Yeah, so, but I think other Membari had had more direct contact, but because... The Grey Council are their leaders. It's at that point. It was only at that point that they had the direct contact. Up until then, they, you know, were at a distance from humanity. So this really was a tra- change in everything. You know, a, I'm trying to think of the word. First, a sea first, change. First. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a sea change in everything for them at this point. 
So while they were scanning Sinclair, they discovered that Minbari's souls were being reborn in part or in full, because they already knew that fewer Minbari were being reborn each generation. So the council knew humans and Minbari weren't ready for the information, so they kept it a secret. Okay, hold on, hold on one second. Um, so they said a couple things. One was that they gave a timeline for this. Uh, they said for the last 2,000 years, I don't know if they were being exact, you know, exactly 2,000 years or rough, you know? And I, I'm assuming they mean Earth years because otherwise they probably would have specified. I really hope this doesn't have anything to do with Christianity or anything like that. Um, but they also kind of intimated that Sinclair, I mean, how else would they have known that this was happening if they hadn't seen a piece of soul in Sinclair, right? Because they didn't say that specifically, but isn't that kind of what they meant? Yeah, somehow they saw a soul, a Membari soul, or part of a Membari soul in Sinclair's body. Yeah, as we saw yeah. the soul hunter in the episode, in the season one episode, obviously to them a soul is something that can be measured and scanned for, it seems. Right, mm-hmm. And they could tell where it came from, I guess. <laughs> they were good scanners. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, next we see a Minbari cruiser come through the jump gate on an attack vector. Well, they also said there was going to be more changes other than Sinclair. So. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, he, he definitely says um, that these are just some of the first changes that are going to happen and more are to come. Mm-hmm. That's definitely foreboding there. Yep. Who else is going to die or go to Minbar? <laughs> Narnia. <laughs> Next, we see a guy named Warren enjoying a holographic letter. And he and his <laughs> squad mates see the cruiser on the screen. Warren is played by Robert Russler. <laughs> Same as Warren. Okay, hold on. Warren. It seems like he might be coming up again because of his reappearance at the end. He, um, I saw that he was in a two part episode of The Facts of Life. He was in the Nightmare on Elm Street, too. In CNC, we see they activate the defense grid and they activate their fighters. Next, we see Kalein pull a tooth and something that's inside the tooth. Some sort of blue gel. Yeah, some good. Your basic cyanide capsule. Yeah. Hmm. In CNC, they contact the ship, which is the Trigati, and Elite, what's, I don't remember what her name was, so I just called her, what's her name, and I... Deron? I okay. think it's Deron. Yeah, something like that. I couldn't find I've actually her got IMDb. a note here, I, I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but I think this ship must be where the Membari in the Gathering came from, because that was a rogue Membari. I think he was a crew member on board the Trigati. It seems to fit with everything else they've done. I thought he was a member of the, the Wind Swords, but I may be getting that confused with the people. Yeah, from the Wind Death Swords War, clan. So. I think maybe it might have been the Wind Swords clan, but what's to say people on the Tugati are members of the Wind Swords clan? I don't know. I'm just speculating. Mm. Yeah, because we never really got a full answer, did we? Uh. Um. Oh, she tells him that they've illegally captured the captive vessel. Sorry, right. Okay, the Trigati launches its fighters, and Zeta Wing with Warren launches. <laughs> I hate all characters named Warren on general principle. <laughs> Sheridan figures out that this was a ploy to start a shooting war. They find out that Kalane is dead, and it's make looks like a suicide. 
I have a note here that they discussed the part about Minbari's soul is out in the open, even though it's supposed to be secret. So yeah, I thought that was strange. <laughs> <laughs> so Sheridan orders all fighters to engage enemy forces, and he thinks it's weird that they can track Minbari's ships, even though they couldn't during war, so he orders Zeta Wing to hold their position. That was a good observation, I must say. It was a, I thought it was a bit of a Chekhov's gun moment because they'd mentioned it a couple of times previous in the episode. About oh, the they definitely had. Stealth tracking device. But they buried it. <clears throat> they they did it in such a way that it made sense. You know, it wasn't just a random yeah, comment were, about it. They were it. talking about previous battles, weren't they? So right, right. Fit nicely into the conversation. Yeah, it was well done. Yeah. Um. So Sinclair sends a message through the jump gate, and then we see the Minbari fighters head back for the Trigadi. After that, another Minbari ship appears. It turns out Sheridan called the ship that he knew was going to be looking for the Trigadi. He had a feeling they would be waiting in hyperspace for another sighting. This was all very confusing on first watch. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I would have got this while trying to do a commentary. Yeah. Um, well, you weren't like... the only one who was confused. Ivanova was complete, you know. Yeah. She didn't right. know what was going on. Yeah, that's true. I don't feel so bad now. So Sinclair figured out that they wanted to die because they couldn't go home. They wanted to become martyrs. You see the Trigadi try to leave through the jump gate, but they get destroyed by the other Minbari ship. So they die on her. And the captain of the other ship is kind of a douche and he leaves. Wait, didn't they um didn't they blow themselves up? Well, I thought well, it, I, I thought it was the damage from when they were hit by the other ship that caused the reactor whatever. Yeah. The, the basic. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I took it more as, as Elizabeth said, that it was them committing suicide because I think Ivana mentioned that it was it was a clean hit and they just disabled the engine, but then the reactor went critical afterwards and all the all the fighters were just shooting straight towards it, so they get caught in the explosion as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. What the way I took it was they were hit, but then did nothing to try and prevent the damage or escape. Right. They basically, mm-hmm. yeah, allowed the damage to the ship to overwhelm the ship and destroy it. Because I would, but the reason, another reason I wouldn't have taken it that way was because if the other Membari ship were to, I mean, that would that would mean that the other Membari ship hit him in such a place that would create a nuclear explosion, which they probably wouldn't do, considering they don't want to kill other Membari. I think that we're just trying to take out their method of, yeah, of moving around. I think they were, yeah. But if they wanted to kill them, they just would have killed them. But I think most of the time you can contain that damage. You can prevent it from spreading and causing a um, reactor core explosion or whatever it is. But Not I if think it happens we... in four seconds. Oh, you never know. Um, but yeah, it is clear that the Trigati and their crew wanted to die. So somewhere or another they managed to make that happen. Although, the, I, I think there'd been a clear jump in special effects this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it looked I mean, really just good. the, scene, the yeah. scene, the flashback scene alone. Definitely. And just the beam weapon on the Membari ship. The energy weapon. Yeah. How it just sliced through the engines. Um, I guess it would have been funny, but what if, like, when the ship came apart, you saw, like, bull flying out of the mine? Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So next we see Sheridan in his quarters unpacking. Ivanova comes to visit him. He wonders if coming there was irresponsible because his presence might bring trouble to Babylon 5. And Too late. <laughs> 
prisoner is the only other human who knows why the Minbari surrendered. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We didn't talk about that re- very, very snippy other Minbari captain. Oh, yeah. Did think he yeah. came across as so Yeah, he was kind <laughs> of... A, had yeah. a weird bone piece on his head as well. I thought it looked very strange, his Minbari headpiece. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like him. So, oh yeah, the president and Sheridan are skeptical about the thing with Minbari's souls being reborn into humans. Susan gives him some encouraging words and tells him that she's there if he wants to talk. Aww. Next we see Lanier speaking to Delenn in her cocoon. Uh, he tells her that he told the, and wishes he could have told the rest. The prophecy, prophecy says, great enemy, the great enemy is turning and the two sides of their spirit must unite or be. Uh, he says that Earthers will discover it on their own soon. And after Lanier leaves, that cocoon starts to open and drip or whatever. And yeah, <laughs> like alien. Pus yeah. came out. <laughs> starts but to weep. Yet again, more ominous words from Lanier. Yeah, so if the enemy was returning... That must mean that the Membari have dealt with them before, so maybe that is part of the whole warrior history. But it has to—it must have to do with what I mean. My okay, well, I guess I can get to that later in the uh, when I make my predictions, which aren't going to be very many. But at least you'll have some. <laughs> yes. So somewhere we see Warren telling Ivanova and Franklin about what happened when they were out there in space. And they talk about Sheridan, I think. I put down Sinclair, but I think they were talking about Sheridan. Um, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Sheridan was supposed to meet them there, but they realized right. he's going to give a speech. Yeah, and this, this place is basically what's been done to the whole casino set. They've changed it slightly into this new place. Oh, uh, okay. club. Basically, yes. yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. It looks really cool because they came in from the outside. So you're kind of like looking through the windows. I like that. Yeah. Mm. So at the end, we see Sinc- uh, Sheridan <laughs> <laughs> giving his speech to an empty CNC because it's on standby mode. Finished with five minutes to spare and he's into the episode. I found that scene very strange that I can't imagine that a space station would ever have their CNC empty of personnel. Yeah, like what well, yeah. comes through and while well, everyone's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's on a five-minute maintenance cycle or something like that. That maybe there's five minutes in the day when, or ten minutes in the day, because he had five minutes to spare, where it basically goes some sort of maintenance cycle, and there's no point in having anyone in there. I say the computer's <laughs> doing something, so yeah, uh, that's yeah, the only weird. reason I... why I can say no one's in there. It just happens to be ten minutes when there's not. <laughs> well, see, he said five minutes to spare because he had twenty-four hours from when he got there to make a speech. Mm-hmm. That was the five minutes. Yeah. The five minutes left until it was, it's been 24 hours since he got there. However, I think he spent an awful lot of time showering. <laughs> yeah, it took like an hour-long shower. He had water. Yeah. Like running water. And he got his fruit. He had his fruit with him. Oh, yeah, oranges. Yeah, again, I think that's um, a, uh, what's it, um, studio note. <laughs> About the fruit? Uh, well, they're trying, you know... They wanted whatever the whoever the new person in charge of beef by to be, you know, they wanted him to be lighter than um, uh, Sinclair, sorry, a, a less serious character, yeah, yeah. He and they wanted like to smile, bring, yeah, he just smile, seems like a lighter character. He, he, him liking, liking fruits, they wanted that sort of 
lightness and affability because I thought the audience are going to like that. Okay, so Sinclair yeah. is Eeyore and he's like Tigger or something. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Tigger, I think that could work. <laughs> Alright, so our favorite alien, Bill Blair, was in this episode playing some alien. Playing some alien. I noticed that Kim Strauss was in this episode playing an ensign. I don't know why that name sounds familiar. I don't know if we talked about him on the show or off the show somewhere. Don't remember. Anyway, I just have some notes. There were a lot of notes in this episode. The lounge where they were in at the end, close to the end, is called the Earhart, named after Amelia Earhart. Earhart Spa, yeah. Or the okay. Earhart's Lounge, one of the two. It's Earhart's at least. It looks like a lounge. Yeah. JMS said that they realized that a lot of the work that's being done on the sets and costume wasn't being seen because the show was dark, so they did try to brighten things up a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, oh yeah, he says standby mode happens every 36, 48 hours for about an hour. Hmm. What standby mode? Sorry. Oh, that's what you know. CNC was in standby mode at the end mm. when Sinclair's giving speech. Right. Yeah. As, so it's kind of what I speculated just a bit longer, an hour every 48 hours when you know it's in standby mode. Most departments have their own control areas using CNC, mainly when command personnel are required. In addition, there are folks monitoring CNC, and if anything should happen, someone could be there in a second. Okay, so he's thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) He was warning people not to look for Garibaldi in the first episode because he wanted, contrary to TV logic, it does take time to recover from being shot in the back. Mm, does it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's only been eight days. <laughs> yeah. See, Sheridan is descended from, oh, in his mind, Captain Sheridan is descended from real-life General Philip John Sheridan in the Union Army Civil War. That's so funny because he gave Sinclair a backstory, too, in uh, terms of his family, didn't he? Mm, like, they were yeah, the battle um, pilots. Yeah, Battle of Christian pilots. Right, them. okay, yeah. He said the battle of the line and the hold in Sinclair's mind was intended as the entry point to the story, like Frodo being given the ring. He said there's no way he could have sustained a five-year show on that storyline and never intended. Oh, at this point, I guess when the show aired, he said he's still trying to figure out what to do about Catherine Takai. <laughs> and did say promoting Ibanova would not have been logical because she doesn't have near the experience level higher commander. It wouldn't be done in real life. Oh, uh, well, you see that at the very beginning. She, the way she's dealing with the uh, diplomats and the other people on the station. Yeah. Shout well, it probably them. just means she hasn't been in command before of a smaller ship. Yeah. And... Because it's not like Sinclair and, and Sheridan are going to be perfect when dealing with people. Yeah, I guess she would have gained maybe more experience handling people command. Well, that's all of my notes. Ready for quotes of the week? I've missed these. Oh, I have. I meant to go back and do more quotes, but the only one I have is, and I thought I was a pessimist, Ivanova. Oh yeah. I've got Lanier quite. If you're sorry. If you are going to kill me, then do so. Otherwise, I have considerable work to do. Yeah. Yeah, I got that one. Considerable got... work, what? Chanting? Sitting. <laughs> yeah. candle. More Talking. candles. There's so Watch many you. candles. Talking on this to show. a chrysalis. <laughs> Talking to a chrysalis. Gotta keep those candles going. Yeah, I got a, ca- a candle budget this season. Giving exposition to the humans. Yeah. That was his okay. job this episode. Go ahead. Um, if you want to, do you have a quote? 
I have. I wrote down a few, mostly Ivana and Lanier this episode. I've got shortly after one Ian just did. Uh, Ambassador Lane is indisposed at the moment. Perhaps you could come back later. Much later. <laughs> that way. That, that sort of reminds me of, remember when um, Ivanova was asked to stall and, and she was like, uh, Hi, I'm Commander Ivanova. Or, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah. Lieutenant, Commander, whatever. Okay. <clears throat> I have one between Ivanova and Franklin. I'll say a prayer for him tonight. He's agnostic. Well, then I'll say half a prayer. Um. Okay, I've got to go for another Ivanova one. It has to be. And as far as I'm concerned, the transports can wait until the sun explodes. And if you're not happy with the seating arrangements, I will personally order your seats to be moved outside, down the hall, across the station, and into the fusion reactor. Am I absolutely, perfectly clear on this? I really like that one. (laughs) Yeah. Some reason I really liked her. She was walking away. She kind of like she had her hand out to the side and she made a kind of like a chopping motion with it. <laughs> she was like, "That's done, sorted." <laughs> yeah. Did anybody do the karma quote? I can't remember exactly how it. Uh, no one's got done that yet. No, I don't have that one. No. I, I've got it, but uh, go if ahead. you're going to do it, go ahead. No, go ahead. I just have a note about it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I can only conclude that I'm paying karma off at a vastly accelerated rate. Yeah, JMS said that that's something that his wife at the time, you say all the time, she was the one who wrote, I think, by any means necessary. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was in her log, right? When oh, she yeah. the voiceover? Yeah. Yeah, basically, okay. you had the break in the voiceover. She said that thing to the ambassadors and the other people, and then you had to go back to the log where she said that comment. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Both quotes are great, though. I have one that made me laugh, but not intentionally. <laughs> <clears throat> it was a Sheridan one. I think we talked about it. It's the last time I made contact with the Membari worship, I said it straight to hell. <laughs> yeah, you said that, yeah. 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 Any others? I'm well, oh. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry, I'm out of quotes. Well, it's not exactly a quote. I was just going to say, I, I just love during the uh, conversation where Ivana was debriefing um, Sheridan and uh, talking about um, Delenn's uh, cocoon, and she goes, about yay high. <laughs> yeah. It's just the, the motions and the choice of phrase of yay high. <laughs> it's, yeah, she was speaking she it very matter-of-factly. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, how about we do our characters of the week? Who is human of the week? And I wrote down Sinclair, but I meant Sheridan again. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, it's his first episode. In some ways, he deserves it, but Ivanova always steals the show. <laughs> I gave mine to Sheridan because I think he, he really had the Mimbari's number this episode. He seemed to know a lot about them. Obviously, it was a hugely Mimbari-focused episode, and he, he really seemed to know them well and predicted what they would do, so I gave it to him. Well, if I wasn't still a little grumpy about the change, I would give it to him, but I can't. I can't <laughs> on principle for this first episode, so I guess I'll have to go to Ivanova. Hmm, I don't know, because they really both deserve it, but considering it's his first appearance and he did a good job, he dealt with the Membari, Rogue Membari, and yeah, I, I'm going to go back with um, Sheridan. Are you seriously switching it? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was humming and ahhing before, because Ivanova does always steal the show, but as I said, it's Sheridan's first episode, and he did do a good job, so I don't know which to go for. I'm flip-flopping on this one. 
really well, really Heidi should make the maybe Heidi's will push it over one way or the other when she makes her selection. We'll ask Heidi to break it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we'll ask Heidi before we say anything definitive. How about Alien of the Week? Linear. Yeah, I went with Linear. Not a lot of choice here. I went Linear as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd have to go with Linear yeah, as well. Yeah, all of our ambassadors are gone. I'd like to see Ethan Rain there, which is nice. Hopefully mm-hmm. he'll get more of a presence now that we know he's in the Grey Council. So how about episode ratings? You want to start us off, Mike? Um, so I, I like this episode. I, I felt it had quite a, quite an issue that it had to get a lot of, a lot of information across, which was a lot of just characters talking and telling us information. But I like Sheridan. I feel he's a, as Ian was saying earlier, a, a more fun, a bit more of a charismatic figure to lead the show than, um, Sinclair was. So I quite like him coming in and I really liked his relationship with Ivanova. Um, but I had to rate the episode down a few points due to the fact there were nobody else, no other characters in it. I I always miss the other ambassadors when they're not there. Uh, so I've gone for 6.5 out of 10, and I've gone for 6.5 weird fruit dreams. <laughs> Whoa, harsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Elizabeth? Uh, well, I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. I mean, obviously, I was in shock for half the episode, but... Watching it again, I thought, you know, I, well, of course, we love getting information, getting plot details and schemes and things like that. So the part with the Mimbari was so amazing. It was just well put together, well done. And although I'm not completely sold on Sheridan, much like I wasn't completely sold on Sinclair at first, I'm sure I'll get there. Um, I did, you know, like that we're still continuing with, you know, what's going on with Delenn and... um. <sighs> I guess I was a little dis- disappointed, not disappointed, I guess they've already had a whole potential conflict with Membari worship story. So having that again was not so exciting um, because when Elite Nerun came, it was kind of like almost a, a showdown there as well. So that was kind of a retread in a slightly different way. It might have been a bit more interesting, actually, to have had him come back again and cause problems in a different way at least then you've got a recurring character did elena rune didn't he have like a history with sinclair like in terms of battling sinclair or was it just sinclair knew about him i can't remember um i can't remember myself back from that episode because it's funny because they had a conversation and a conversation like he knew of sinclair and sinclair knew of him it was kind of the same thing you know it was Mm. a mutual understanding of each other's positions in the war that happened again in this in this one um so i would give it like 7.5 wtfs out of 10 (laughs) (laughs) okay what do you say ian yeah, um, there's some good bits in this episode, like the introduction of um, Sheridan. Uh, I think it's a good introduction for this character. There's several instances where you can see different facets of his character um, and just get a glimpse of perhaps the direction he'll go or maybe you're being misdirected in some ways, but it's still a good introduction. And the chemistry he had with Ivanova is instant. It's a really good little dynamic they've got going on there. Um, There are some questionable things in here. And mm, there's a character in here I'm not overly fond of. So, yeah, um, that wasn't great, but that's okay. Because it was just very, very brief. 
Uh, all in all, it was all right episode. So I've kind of got to go for seven out of ten oranges. All right. Well, I enjoyed the episode. It was nice. You know, we had a couple of weeks off. It was just nice to be back watching Babylon 5 again. And it was nice to be finally introduced to John Sheridan and finally being able to let, you know, let Heidi and Elizabeth in on that secret. <laughs> As you guys were laughing at us every time we made predictions. About <laughs> oh, it was always nice to hear anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of want to give it as, uh, it's kind of like better than a 7.5, but not quite an 8. But I'll just go ahead and give it 8 out of 10 teeth filled with goo. <laughs> hmm. So, so far as... Just, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, so far we have a 7.5. We'll add in Heidi's ready later. Dude, I think By I'm the way, Heidi, happy down. birthday. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy, happy birthday. birthday, Heidi. It's too bad you couldn't be here with us. All right. What's next? Oh, feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Out practice. Well, let's see. We could take the Agamemnon over to feedback land, can't we? Okay. So speaking <laughs> of the Agamemnon, I was, uh, I looked it up cause I couldn't remember where, you know, um, what I knew it from. Yeah. And so he was the, um, the ruler in, of the Greeks that went to rescue Helen. Um, oh. And <laughs> it was just in my mind. I was like, Oh my God, Sinclair is Helen. <laughs> It's been taken. So who played him in that movie, Troy? I'm oh, gonna, I don't know. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> uh, he was the same man who played William Stryker in the X-Men oh, movie. Oh, that Brian guy, Cox. Brian Cox. That's it. Yeah, he's been in several things. A lot of things. Lord of the Rings, Doctor Who, a lot of other stuff as well. Okay, we had comments on our website. I'll do this. First comment is from Board99. Regarding the episode, uh, I guess our last note, appreciating just how bad believers positive, the truth is always good, even when it hurts. And now for points of departure, the addition of Sheridan is obviously the big development here. I assume that the command staff will fill the ambassadors in on what we know to be the off-screen backstory. It's hard to say much about the episode without drifting into spoilers because so much of the interest of points of departure lies in how the introduction of Sheridan forces the story to develop going forward. I'll be curious to track the ambassador's reaction. One trivial observation, the final scene with the empty C&C is important for how it slightly deflates Sheridan's character. Points of departure has to sell you on Sheridan is a wonderful and ultra-capable. Sheridan is wonderful and ultra-capable, and it does a good job of that. The downside is that Sheridan comes across as irritatingly perfect in contrast to Sinclair, who's a good bit more trouble, complex and troubled. It seems like he might actually have made a mistake at some point in life. The final scene counters that, not only by sending Sheridan's hero persona up a bit, but also in Box Lightner's performance. He communicates it nicely that Sheridan knows he's being a little ridiculous and doesn't mind. Thanks, That's Ford. a good point. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, not certain point, man. Definitely. Our next comment is from Tori. Tori says, So now that the ambassadors will understand, we can all laugh together about the times during season one podcast Sinclair was referred to as Sheridan. Yes, that slipped in a few times. <laughs> Except we didn't know. And now the reverse has happened as well. So <laughs> yeah. we can laugh at that. Um, but more importantly, we can all talk about Warren Keffer, the greatest character. No, can't keep a straight face writing that stupid <laughs> I'm glad they're not going to be serious with that. Oh, Warren Keffer and his ascot. Wait, who's Keffer? Oh, Warren. Okay, Warren, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, and now does it occur to me that not watching the credits, I hope the ambassador told who Kefir was that he's the pilot. Um, yeah. Right, the pilot that was <laughs> yeah. at the end there, and yeah, that we saw talking to the hologram. Now that we're into season two, I can start to recall some things about how I got into the show. I wouldn't start watching the show until later in the season, but my mom had been watching season one, and I seem to remember her saying that she did stop for a while when the cast suddenly changed the new season. Of course, I don't know what my 11-year-old self would have felt if I had been watching season one with her instead of coming in later, but given my tween-slash-teenage reaction to cast changes on this and other shows, I have to say I probably wouldn't have taken it very well, especially if I had grown attached to Claire. So yeah, the ambassador's freaking out over it is not unexpected. It's the opposite reaction to what I personally have now as a Sheridan fan. Thank you. In some ways, the episode is kind of weird, but I think it worked. It actually, I actually like that it gives most of the cliffhangers from Crystal with time to sit, as they have to for the character, the station. Jakar is off somewhere doing investigations. Delin's in a mysterious cocoon. Garibaldi's been shot. Earth is dealing with the presidential assassination. Londo is probably somewhere contemplating his deal with the devil. We have to live with all these things for a week, just like the characters do. But during the seeming lull, things are still changing for the crew and viewer having to accept a new captain. I don't think one is quite supposed to know how to take Sheridan in his first outing. In this confused lull after Chrysalis, the B5 universe has just become darker and a darker and more uncertain place. And here's this new guy that you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> but given time, I hope you'll see why for so many of us, we think B5 Commander, we think Sheridan. Uh, thank you, Tori. Thank you. Uh, next we have email. Our first one is from Bob DeGrand. Who wants to take this? Anybody? Uh, are you still oh, sorry, there? Sorry, I was on mute. I was on <laughs> mute. I had started reading it as well. <laughs> okay, um, I'll take Bob's. Sure. I really like this. I always thought that Sinclair was the weak link in Babylon 5, and I assume that Sakai is gone as well. Two birds, one stone. Aww. I wish they had just left Ivanova in charge. Maybe a little bit harsh, Bob. <laughs> okay. She would have been great, but this guy is clearly an improvement on Sinclair. I like that they finally gave us a good explanation of what happened with the Mimbari at the end of the war. I'm rooting for Delenn to emerge looking like Daniel Russolo. I don't think that the Membari would harbour a long-term resentment of Sheridan destroying one of their ships during the war. They seem pretty rational in general. And it was, well, you know, a war. <laughs> yeah, something that we've been mentioning earlier on. Uh, yeah, your point stands, Rob. Sheridan defeated the Membari ship using mines. He obviously studied his military strategy from watching Galaxy Quest. <laughs> All of the ambassadors were missing. I hope that isn't a trend. Bob DeGran. I hope Bob. so too, Bob. Thank you. No, yeah, thanks, Bob. This episode. Their presence really is felt. Their absence is felt, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Our next email is from Europa. You want to take that, Elizabeth? All the way from Europa. All right. <laughs> Greetings, ambassadors. You can thank or blame Heidi for me being here. LOL. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast CastleCast.net with her and John P. I enjoyed that podcast so much, I was thrilled when she said she was going to participate in an intercast for B5. That's I think I my first. Here as well. Oh wow! That's I, so nice. That was the first intro cast, the first podcast really I listened to was Castlecast, and from there I've sprung forward and I listen to hundreds of podcasts now. It seems. 
Oh, Heidi should be here for all this love for her podcast. Yeah, because I, I listen to Investigating Mars also, so... I did, that's, yeah, yeah, Heidi's I'm, done such a great job to bring people here. Yeah, Investigating Mars was the first podcast I ever guested on, too. Hmm. I think my first love of TV has always been sci-fi, and B5 is one of my all-time favorites. So any new excuse to revisit it is welcome. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you. I have thoroughly enjoyed the intercast so far. It's been really fun reliving the show through the eyes of the newbies. They are very keen observers, but I have to say it's very amusing when they occasionally latch on to a throwaway moment, character, or bit of information while totally missing a really significant one. It's especially funny during the commentaries. LOL. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and true, I know what's coming and they don't, but it still makes me chuckle a bit. I hope they don't mind. Believe me when I say, I'm laughing with you, not at you. Smiley face. No, we don't mind. It's totally true. I waited until the end of season one to write in, because to be honest, season one is not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. I won't say which one that is right now, because it would be a spoiler. But the sometimes clunky acting and occasionally really bad stories of season one makes it feel like a chore at times. However, since it lays the groundwork for the much better storytelling to come, it is important and should not be skipped. It does provide some really nice moments here and there, and character development, so it's not all bad. Still, I do feel the newbies deserve some homemade cookies or something for having endured so many questions with so few answers. Smiley face. Okay, yes, if you want to send them, I can send I can send my address if you want. Yeah, take them. What can I say? <laughs> Audiences were a bit more patient back in the early 90s. Now that we've started season two, things will start cooking a little faster, or at least by 1990 standards. There are some big changes at the beginning of season two, and I remember the buzz surrounding them. At the time, TV shows didn't make huge changes in personnel like this, and it was a bit shocking. Michael O'Hare fans had their knickers in a twist, to be sure, but I think many, if not most, eventually came to accept Sheridan and enjoyed the ride moving forward. I, for one, thought it was a good change if for no other reason than I loved Box Lightner and his previous hit show, Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Heidi, the Scarecrow and Mrs. King were like a slightly tamer 1980s version of Castle's Rick and Kate. Nothing against O'Hare, but for the lead on B5, Boxleitner had more of the needed charisma, good looks, and bravado to pull it off. Wow. <laughs> Nothing against Michael O'Hare. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He portrays Sheridan as a little too Boy Scoutish in these early episodes, but once he settles into the role, things start to balance out. I always like the easy rapport he and Ivanova have in this first episode of season two. It helps to inform the audience about his personality and gives the character some established history, since he's late to the party, so to speak. Over the course of the series, I remembered the character pleasantly surprising me along the way. Anyway, Sinclair being reassigned, Delenn's transformation, and all the other signs and portents and points of departure certainly got season two off to a running start. I'm anxious to hear the newbie's thoughts on all these changes, both in terms of the story itself and the behind-the-scenes reasons for the changes. Ian and Will, you have my sincere admiration for keeping it together so well during season one and not spilling the beans on any of these big changes. It was difficult at times. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could have done it. Well, you can relax now. You no longer have to worry about accident instead of Sinclair going forward. LOL. Smiley face. (laughs) My human of the week, Sheridan. My alien of the week, Delenn. Delenn? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite quote is from (laughs) Revere. Ambassador Delenn is indisposed at the moment. Perhaps you would come back later. Much later. My overall rating is eight Membari cocoons out of ten. Well, thanks again for doing this intro cast. I remember reading an interview with JMS when the show first ended and him saying, paraphrasing, that one of his hopes for the show was that people would think of Babylon 5 as a good book that they always keep on their shelf. That even though they've already read it, they still pull it out from time to time and reread it. That's what you guys are doing with this intro cast, so he should be very pleased. Smiley face. Until next time, in Valen's name, Europa and Northern California. 
Well, thank you. Appreciate all that. Very nice. And we had to hear from you more going forward. Yeah, I love it. That was yeah. a good point uh, about the show replacing its lead like part of the way through. You don't see that. I don't think you really see that too much these days. No. Yeah, it's the they don't, yeah. Sorry. Other than possibly soap operas sometimes. I remember from when I was young. <laughs> it's their brother. <laughs> the twin brother. Yeah. <laughs> They're just coming in they, the character overnight. Or they've had some miraculous plastic surgery. Yeah. <laughs> The part of Sinclair. What if they just had a different actor play Sinclair? That would have been Yeah, weird. like on Darren and Darren on um, Bewitched. Yeah. <laughs> Our next email is from Victor DeGrand. I'll take that one. At last, season two. This episode couldn't get here soon enough for me. For the past several months, I was sure I was going to slip up and mention Sheridan instead of Sinclair. Well, we've done that for you, Victor. <laughs> so the Garibaldi and Delin cliffhangers are still unresolved, and in addition, we lose Sinclair, who was presumed to be safe. Throughout this first season, my brother has been trying to tell me that Defiance better than Babylon 5. Ack! You can imagine my indignation. He, but he didn't like Sinclair, and I could not think of a non-spoilery way to tell him that he wasn't going to be an issue. I can only suggest to the newbies that they give Sheridan a chance. He's a dynamic, charismatic leader, almost the opposite of Sinclair. Dang, Sinclair is being <laughs> torn apart. Oh, here, is he? no. <laughs> Which is funny that I'm saying that because I think I tore him apart when I first... Yeah, but the, uh, as I said, in, go, that whole portrayal, I think that was a deliberate move to create this diplomatic, ambassadorial-type character that... Yeah, I can feel like he, his story arc is resolved at the end of season one. He's not meant to be that charismatic. He's meant to be that diplomat that can handle any situation and deal with any type of person. His personality isn't going to be imposed on the other person. The other person's personality will be imposed on him. But that's the role he's playing. That's the... the that's the plan Sinclair had in mind, if you get what I mean. And the Minbari hate him, also the opposite of Sinclair. This episode serves to introduce Sheridan and also presents some backstory, courtesy of Mr. Exposition, a.k.a. Lanier. <laughs> On the whole, I think it does both fairly well, so I will rate it eight and a half star killers out of ten. Regards, Victor. Cheers, Victor. Thank you, Thanks, Victor. Victor. And you don't have to worry. We'll totally give Sheridan a chance. Not a problem. <laughs> Just had to get that out of our system. So who wants to take Anka's email? Okay. Um, I'm muted, aren't I? No, you're there. No, you're there. Yeah, cool. Hi, Down Below team. I hope Will didn't get replaced, as did none of you, since I really enjoyed season one of your podcast. But (laughs) if I... mm, Yeah, we didn't get replaced. But Heidi's not here. No, no. She's been reassigned. She's in a cocoon. (laughs) She's been thrown out of airlock. Yep. She'll come back, though. But Tim, I will hopefully enjoy the new recast of you. No changes? Good. <laughs> Season 2 explodes in a very impressive kind of angry commentary by Heidi and Elizabeth. <laughs> How else could it have ended? Both of you liked Sinclair in the end quite much. So when you guys said, who is this dude? I already began breaking out in laughter. It's so funny, you don't realize that you're attached to a character until they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you found he had a typical good-looking face 
with no depth. I actually expected you to say something like that because, in fact, he does. Now, I really like John Sheridan as a new character, much more than Sinclair, I have to be honest. Not just because of his good looks, but because of being a more energetic character, Captain Sheridan. We see he's even a captain, although he seems younger than Sinclair. Gets introduced pretty heavily. A world hero called Starkiller by the Membari, who at least whose last contact with the Membari cruiser ended in him sending them straight to hell. Wow, what do we have here? Uh, I can see some confrontations coming. Well, with the renegade Membari ship, there is already some kind of confrontation. It's interesting to me that while he seems like a war hero and a hardball player, like he would punch every Membari around him in the next moment and not apologise for it. In the end, he figures it out without any fighting. Kevin Diplomati is. He knows about the Grey Council and overall seems to know much more background detail than Sinclair. It seems like he's the inner circle of the need-to-know people. I remember I liked that a lot when watching for the first time. What do the newbies think about the term Starkiller? Will his nickname bring him into some trouble at some point? Oh yes, definitely. This episode has the feeling, for me, mainly to introduce Sheridan as a new player. So it's straightforward with a good story. It also delivers some background information on the war between the Membari and humans and explains in form of Lanier why the Membari surrendered. That's quite sudden. It's some heavy stuff, but hey, neither the President nor Sin... I nearly said Sinclair, <laughs> nor Sheridan believe, in, believe it in any way. So, whatever. No, wait, there's something more that Lanier didn't tell them. The ancient enemy? Of course, there's always more. It's Babylon 5, after all. Truth. Sheridan's speech. Well, for sanity's sake, let's not speak about it. I just... Didn't I just don't find it was overly well delivered. He hopefully gets some practice on monologues. <laughs> Overall, a good episode. A strong new character that brings some trouble to the station. I hope he does more than just bring trouble and that we and that we'll find out what Lanier has not told them. And hopefully Captain Sheridan will not be angry and punch them. Oh, well, don't forget about Mr. Garibaldi. Best quote of Vanova. And I thought I was a pessimist. I give it 6.5 out of 10 star killers. Human of the week, Sheridan, of course. Alien of the week, Hedrun. Great, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, thanks, Kanaka. So I'm I'm a little bit, um, I guess, optimistic now, considering two people have given it 6.5, and I thought it was good. So that's good to know. Our next email is from Laura. You want to take that, Elizabeth? Sure. Most importantly, happy birthday, Heidi. Yes, ditto. Now here is feedback for Season 2, Episode 1, Points of Departure, from myself and my son Carl, who is watching along as a newbie. As always, we both enjoyed Ivanova, and especially her speech in the elevator. It is a wonder that anyone ever dares to cross her and her Russian attitude. (laughs) From listening to the commentary, I know the newbies could not understand why she seemed to have an immediate rapport with Captain Sheridan. However, they do establish, though it was easy to miss, that she had served under him on Io for perhaps quite a while. 
Given that she is completely alone and without other command staff to currently work with, I did not have a problem with her confiding in him. Carl thought it was very heavy on the exposition, which it was, but I assumed that was to bring new viewers somewhat up to date. I will be very interested to see what the newbies made of the revelation as to why the Membari actually ended the war. It seems rather fantastical and did not seem that either Sheridan or Ivanova believed it could actually be true. There were some interesting quotes in that section as well, including one that I did not write down exactly, but was something along the lines of, both of the races must come together to stop the darkness. I know both Heidi and Elizabeth have been interested in how the concept of souls figures into this universe. It seems that at least the Membari believe they survived death and are always reborn in some way. The explanation of that the best souls are moving into humans fits with the earlier storyline told by Drawl that Minbar is changing into something he no longer recognizes, and their whole people seem to have become lost. Well, that's a good point. Regarding Sheridan and his speech, Carl was not impressed with either, although I thought the speech tradition was kind of interesting. Looking forward to your thoughts, as always. Favorite quote? I can only conclude that I'm paying off karma at a vastly accelerated rate. Oh, that's the... <laughs> yeah. Ratings. Uh, ratings from Carl, 6 out of 10 ham-handed expositions, human, <laughs> random fighter pilot, alien, oh. Delenn, for starting to see movement behind the chrysalis. Glory, <laughs> ah. 7.5 out of 10 elevator speeches, human, Ivanova, for holding down the station, alien, Lanier, for that great fighting stance. Glory. <laughs> Thanks, Laurie and Carl. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you both, Laurie and Carl. It's great to hear from both of you. All right, our next email is from Suki. Hope I'm saying that right. I'll take that one. Hello, down belowers. I just wanted to let you know that I really love your podcast and was so happy to find such a great one for B5. Thank oh, thank you. you. Because of my age, I wasn't born when B5 started airing. I have a very hard time finding anyone not on the internet who likes Babylon 5. It's so nice to hear other people's opinions on these characters that I love so much. Maybe it's because I grew up watching it, but I don't like—I don't dislike Sinclair as much as other people seem to. To me, he isn't flat or boring. He's just a very relaxed person. Instead of a strict commander, he kept some of his ease from being just a fighter pilot. But I'm probably biased, seeing as my sister used to watch anything but season one, so he's ingrained <laughs> in my mind like that. Wow, <laughs> somebody who watches only mm. season one. That's interesting, yeah. I can't imagine not watching the whole arc. I also don't mind Sinclair slash Catherine at all. Maybe it's because Carolyn was so awful that she makes anyone look that much better in comparison. Mm. It was pretty bad. Yeah, but it's so easy to forget her because she's gone so quickly. <laughs> this season gets a special place for me, not even because it's that good, but because it's the beginning. Without this, we wouldn't have the amazing since come. I don't know if I could pick my favorite character, but I've given this season to Sinclair. Alien of the season, I'd probably go with Londo. It's been a long time since I've rewatched the series, so I don't remember all the details. But all of his lines and his improv during the Centauri feast and me over every time. I don't remember if this got mentioned, but feel free to ignore this if it was. But Kodoth was actually intended to be Jakar's aide for the whole show, but due to problems with the makeup, she was placed. If you watch the episode again, you will notice she wasn't wearing the red sclera lens because they bothered her. Hmm. I'm just finishing up listening to the season one wrap up now, and I can't wait to hear all of Heidi and Elizabeth's, Elizabeth's thoughts on season two. Hopefully I'll have time to watch it again soon so that I can send in up-to-date feedback that is so vague. Sorry if I started rambling. I have a lot of feelings about this show and no one to express to until now. Yay. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Suki. Uh, oh, you hope can you talk have to a us. chance to write in again. Yeah, I really hope you've enjoyed our first episode of season two as well. 
So our last email is from Yan. Who else take Yan's email? Oh, I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, do you want? Sorry, oh, I'm miscommunication there. Go ahead, Harder. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Hello, fellow lurkers and down below. Here is some feedback for Season 2, Episode 1, Points of Departure. Apparently, most of the people we love are gone from Babylon 5, except Londo. Sinclair is no longer the commanding officer of the station. He has been sent to become the ambassador on the Membari homeworld. Does it look like he is being er, promoted out of the way? Jakar has gone to investigate what the new threat could be. Delenn is indisposed, as Lanier says when asked by Londo, in the chrysalis, and we do not know what she will become. Maybe a butterfly, as your ambassador said in the commentary. Garibaldi is in a coma, and we have no idea if he will wake up. Ivanova is trying to hold the station together and shows her patience, or lack of it. The captain of the ship, Agamemnon, is ordered to go to the station and take command. Who is this new guy? We find out that Captain Sheridan is called Starkiller by the Minbari, and they really don't like him. Sheridan, on the other hand, is not going to apologize for, as he puts it, the only real victory we had in the damned war. The ship he destroyed was called the Black Star. The captain of the Trigadi is on B5 and up to no good, but why does he not just kill Lanier and Delenn? The renegade Minbari warship, the Trigadi, arrives at B5 with gun ports open and attacks, yet does not, but comes with the comment, all that remains is honor and death. Sheridan wonders why the station can detect the Minbari ships, and realizes that it is a provocation to get the station to fire first. It looks like he is very knowledgeable and quick to figure out what's going on. He even knows about the Grey Council. Oh, and he likes making a speech after taking command. The Membari opened up a bit about what happened with Sinclair at the Battle of the Line. So, my dear ambassadors, you were quite right that Delenn was there to keep an eye on Sinclair, for reasons we now know a bit about. But then again, the Membari never tell you the whole truth, do they? No, they don't. The Membari think that their souls are being reincarnated in humans. That was why they stopped? I understand the incredulous look in Sheridan's face. And Ivanova keeps seeing Earth Force One blowing up over and over again. Excuse me. The confusion of our ambassadors is understandable. Can you imagine seeing this months after the finale of season one? I know it took me a while to figure things out, but I did, and so will you. So we do get some answers, but certainly not all. There's probably a reason that the next episode is named Revelations. You will have to wait and see, as we had to when it first aired. Favorites, human, Ivanova, alien, blank, (laughs) Uh, quote, Lanier. If you're going to kill me, then do so. Otherwise, I have considerable work to do. And Sheridan. Interesting place you got here. Episode rating 7 out of 10 mysterious transfers to the Mimbari homeworld. And with this, watch out for the coming of shadows. Yan the Babylon Lurker. Cheers, Yan. Thanks, Yan. Okay. Yeah, so that's the feedback. Thanks for the feedback, everybody. Thanks, everybody. We always really appreciate your feedback. Oh, yes, definitely. And that's some great feedback this week. And if you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. Yes, I'm afraid I don't download from iTunes, so I'd give you a nice rating on there. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> or wherever you, you know, can rate us. I don't know where else. So, it's time for predictions, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Um, miss Heidi. Um, the name of the next episode is Revelations, and our guest will be Elaine. Great. Okay. Well, I predict that we're going to get some Revelations. <laughs> Um, are we, um, question, Will? Yes. Should we tell Elizabeth the series story, sorry, this season's story name? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, the name of season two is called The Coming of Shadows. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I remember that, um, Londo's aunt said that that guy would be killed by shadows. So that just makes me think that the shadows are the same beings that we've seen and that we're working with 
Morden. So that obviously has, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not making huge uh, leaps here to say that that probably ties into what the Membari are talking about, what Lanier was saying about the returning threat of darkness, that they would have to team up with Earth, with humans. So, <clears throat> yeah, kind of the same thing we've been talking about, basically. Uh, I think Garibaldi will recover. I think he's not going to die. Sounds like this doofus Warren is going to be a character, but um, <laughs> I still think well. I still think that uh, Delenn is going to be human when she comes out. I, I'm going to stick with that prediction, especially now that we know that it has to do with the whole thing has to do with their souls going into Earth. Like I said, I hope this 2000 year thing doesn't have any significance in terms of Christianity or anything like that. That would just piss me off. Not piss me off, but I just I don't really that doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's clear that Sheridan's going to have some issues uh, fitting in with Mimbari, but he seems to get along right now with the linear to some extent. And I don't know what's going to happen with Delenn, but I assume she's going to get out probably next episode. And maybe that will be some of the revelations that come up. Um, in terms of what she's doing with, you know, what she was doing in the cocoon. She just needed a vacation. So. Yeah, she's <laughs> really tired and stressed. She'll wake up and find her husband's left. Oh, I know. It's going to be chaos. Um, <laughs> ugh, we started that. That was, was going to be the best storyline. <laughs> the foibles of a new couple, new husband and wife. Yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to see Jakar again and we're going to see Londo again and Kosh. So they should be coming back, if not next episode, probably within the next couple episodes. And but I still think, you know, I mean, I haven't changed any predictions about that. So, yeah, there's really not much, I guess, that's new that I can predict on. Kind of this kind of going along the same things we were kind of already talking about. So. Mm. If somebody had yeah. asked what our predictions would be about something, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, Somebody had asked. Oh, um, somebody had asked about what our predictions would be about something, but now I can't remember. I wish. Yeah, I'm sure Heidi will um, have her predictions. Um, all right. Okay. <laughs> Getting behind the scenes yeah. knowledge here. Here are right, you. <laughs> like Will doesn't remember how to do the show because it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out what Sheridan's religion is. <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you for joining us this week. Thank <laughs> you so much. I hope you come back. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it's been great having you on. Yeah, keep sending in those emails. Welcome. I shall do. I know it's late yeah. for you guys there. Uh, that's not a problem. I'm usually up at this time. Oh, good. So is there anywhere we can find you on the web? Um, I've, I've got a YouTube channel which I do Warhammer Battle Reports on, but it's not really relevant to Babylon 5 and such. Uh, but other than that, no, I haven't really been on any other podcasts or anything. What did you say? You had a, a YouTube channel? Yeah, I play a game called Warhammer. Feel free to edit this bit out if it's unimportant, um, which is kind of like a tabletop miniatures game. Uh, my friends and I have a YouTube channel where we record battle reports and things. Uh, oh. You do the uh, miniatures version. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've um, played the, um, what's it, the uh, dice-based um, pen and paper one. Well, pencil and paper. Hmm. I think yeah. I have a version of it on Steam, but I haven't played it yet. Oh, well, I guess we should take a moment to say goodbye to Claire. Aww. Born on Mars. Had a hole in the mind. <laughs> Gone too soon. Gone too soon. R.I.P. He was the best of us. Blah, blah. <laughs> well, that's mm -hmm. all we have for today, folks. We'll be back in two weeks with Revelations. So until next time, take care. Goodbye. Bye, Strong. Bye, Mal. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. Mm-hmm.